All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be Podcast. It's alive. Well, hello everyone out there in Radio Land. Here we are. Uh, I am, of course, Nightwing Ken, and tonight we are featuring Ace Fraley, the Anomaly. The CD has arrived, and we are live on the air with Tim Star Seventy Eight. Say Tim, hello, Tim. How's it going? Dead air. Um, <laughs> uh, already? Yeah, dead air. Already? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, when we get dead air, we do things like this. <laughs> Okay. Shut up. Okay. So, anyhow, finally, after after all these years, spring has arrived and we have Anomaly, thank God. Tim, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I tell you, yeah, it's, it's really hard to believe. You know, 20 years have passed, and as you said, springtime's here, and... Uh, you know, I stayed away from from the samples that that were leaked. I, you know, I had heard outer space, and uh, so it made it even much more of a treat when I finally had the album to listen to. And um, I'm really liking what I'm hearing here. For me to to sum it up, I'm hearing a combination. I think of of classic Ace elements. You know, no, it's not 1978, nor did I expect it to be. But I'm hearing some classic Ace elements and nuances, and I'm I'm hearing some growth, which I know. <laughs> In, in KISS fandom, that's a bad word to be saying, <laughs> but uh, I'm hearing some growth. I'm hearing Ace go into a few different directions with some of these songs, and I, I like that. What about you? Well, I'll tell you what, it, it the, the growth that you're speaking of makes the CD for me. Mm. Uh, later, we're going to do the uh, album track by track and break it down. But I'm excited to see where Ace is going lyrically. I mean, I know the guy can play guitar. That's yeah. a given. But I never knew that the guy could go where he is going. Absolutely. And to me, that's that's a big thing. You uh, were lucky enough to see him mm-hmm. at what is now becoming a legendary performance. You recently saw him at the Viper Room, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, Can you tell us a little bit, bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. What a treat that was. It was part of uh, the Sunset uh, Strip Music Festival here in L.A. Um, you know, I'm from Southern California. And uh, Ace played uh, last Saturday night at the Viper Room, uh, 200 people sold out, and probably one of the, probably the most intimate KISS member performance I've seen in concert. I mean, talking 200 members, 200 people in the audience, you know, sweaty, hot. Ace came with a blistering set, you know, from the moment that Parasite started, it was like, this is it. You know, I was like second row, you know, right in front of him. And it was a very energetic set, about an hour, and Ace played, you know, Kiss Classics, you know, we're talking Parasite, Deuce, um, Shock Me, Rocket Ride, a couple new tracks, he played Outer Space, and um, he also played uh, Space Bear. Wow. Now, how did that song sound live? You know, Space Bear was great. That's, um, you know, one of my favorite instrumentals on the album. Um, Very riff-heavy. Some of those riffs remind me, actually, of Black Sabbath. (laughs) I went over really well live, uh, very kicking. You know, Ace's band, uh, uh, same band he had on tour with him in 08, uh, Scott Coogan, Derek Hawkins, and Anthony Esposito, and um very impressed with that track. 
And um, an added bonus at the end, um, Slash of uh, Guns N' Roses um, fame came up to jam with Ace on uh, Cold Gin. And uh, the finale, they, they did the outro for Black Diamond. So that was a great way to end the night. And, and again, it was a really energetic performance. You know, I wasn't at the Coventry shows in 1973, 74, what have you. But uh, it kind of harkened back to that type of vibe, a very intimate club setting. And um, Ace was definitely in fine form, and, and you can tell he was really pumped. Wow. Now, everyone talks about Slash. Slash was there. Hey, did you hear Slash was there? What about the other cool celebrity appearance of the night, uh, George Lopez? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a strange thing. You know, we're, we're waiting for Ace to come on. Um, you know, he's supposed to go on at 10 o'clock, and, you know, that came and went, and it was about 10.15, and then the curtains go down, and then... Good old George Lopez uh, comes up uh, and, and intros Ace and uh, gives Ace a nice nice hug before before the band starts. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, Anthony Fox was also there, who um, is of course one of the mixers and masters of the of the album. So um, you know, definitely good times. So you got to uh, rub elbows with the elite in Hollywood. Kind of, you know, kind of Ken. You know, out here in L.A., you know, it's just another day at the office, huh? Oh, I gotta get out there. <laughs> I gotta get out there, and you also went to uh, see him at the Grammy. Uh, yeah, the sorry. Grammy Museum event. Yeah, the Grammy um, Museum event. Thank you. I forgot how to yeah, talk there. Yeah, the the Grammy Museum. Uh, that's something actually just opened up in in, in Los Angeles uh, this past uh, January. So, um, boy, you know, I hate to repeat myself, but again, <clears throat> one of the more cool, intimate type of events that I've ever been to for you know probably any artist that I that I like. I mean. It was held in a, uh, in a theater for 200, 200 people, um, really really nice sounding theater with great acoustics, and uh, it was essentially a Q&A. Uh, Bob Santelli, who is the museum's executive director, conducted the Q&A, and it was amazing to hear Ace in that type of setting. <clears throat> he seemed very comfortable talking about Anomaly, talking about the creative process, you know, how he wrote the songs, some of the people he collaborated with. They talked a little bit about Kiss. They talked guitars. They talked Ace's influences. It was, you know, a really great discussion. It lasted about an hour and a half. And uh, they brought up, uh, actually, there were a few people in attendance. You know, Bruce Kulick was there. Um, they brought up Marty You again Fredrickson. with the hobnobbing. Exactly. <laughs> um, they also brought up, uh, along with Ace, uh, Marty Fredrickson, uh, Anthony Fox, who, again, mixed uh, Anomaly. And they uh, also brought up uh, Frank Munoz, who is Ace's personal assistant, I guess, and also the associate producer on the album. And they kind of had a roundtable discussion to talk about Anomaly. So uh, it was really a a treat. Couple that, they did a a signing with Ace afterwards where all the fans got to get, they could purchase an advanced copy of Anomaly and uh, get some stuff signed. So all in all, just a fantastic night one of my most memorable nights uh for a you know a kiss member type of event well you can't get much more intimate without getting arrested absolutely (laughs) um you mentioned uh frankie muniz now that is in no way the kid from uh that fox sitcom uh, i don't think it was yeah no yeah this is a a different one yeah he's a lot bigger and uh yeah absolutely that kid's ass i think so okay (laughs) and marty frederickson we know him from yeah, he's a he's a multi-talented producer and songwriter. Yeah. He's written uh, some stuff with Aerosmith, uh, collaborated mm-hmm. with Def Leppard, um, and he even collaborated with uh, Paul on uh, "Live to Win." He did some work on that album. So, um, 
Uh, <clears throat> big uh, big name in the music industry. Excellent. Now we're going to give in uh, our call-in number uh, to to call into the show live. It's three four seven eight five seven three one two six three four seven eight five seven three one two six. Now we have a uh, couple clips uh, that you uh, managed to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. And we're going to play a couple of those, and you can comment on them. This Very next cool. clip is called Excited About Anomaly. Right now, I feel exactly the way I felt when I finished that first solo album in 1978. You know, I'm driving around listening to the mixes, you know, getting feedback from other people. You know, I kind of know I got something good, and I'm just really excited to get it out to the world and share it with everybody. But I feel really good about it. I'm really happy with the way it turned out. We are two ways. Um, okay. So what was it like being in that room? With I mean, At, at uh, this point, did you notice Bruce Kulik was there? Or? Yeah, you know, actually before the Q&A got underway, um, Bruce made his way across uh, uh, one of the rows of seats. So, um, you know, I briefly, I've, I've met Bruce once before, you know, um, but, um, you know, obviously didn't remember me. But I definitely, you know, made a point to stand up and, and say hi to Bruce and shake his hand. Um, big fan of his playing, obviously back from the Kiss days. So, um that was very cool that he came out to, to support. And I, I know that he's since posted a blog about it and said that it, he enjoyed the event and enjoyed uh, the, the stuff that he heard from the record. Excellent. Uh, we have a clip called 20 Years. You ready for that? Let's fire it up. Okay. It took me 20 years simply because, you know, I just didn't have my act together at certain points in my life. I just didn't have enough songs to put it together. I was supposed to go in the studio, studio in 95 and start tracking, and then, you know, I got off at the Kiss reunion, you know, and that went from 96 to 2002. Wow. Uh I think that right there you hear some, some candor from Ace. You know, you heard him say, you know, he didn't have his act together, you know, throughout the 90s. And a lot of people will say, well, he's been he's been uh, recording this for 18, 20 yeah. years now. When's yeah. it coming out? And he basically admits he didn't have it uh, together. He wasn't ready. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he goes on to, to continue after that, uh, you know, obviously with the reunion or uh, his, you know, second tenure in Kiss wrapping up in 02, he... Um, he started actually tracking in 2007, so I think he really got serious around that time uh, as far as trying to get this album finished and and um, and get it get it done. Cool. Uh, also, he mentions that he believes he broke some new ground. We got a clip we're going to play about that. Okay. I think I, I think I captured a lot of that flavor on this new album, and I also went into some new areas and new uh, musical textures and directions that I've never been before. I did a jazz guitar solo on one spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I brought some new ground. Excellent. Now, yeah. where do you hear that jazz guitar solo? I think he's referring to, uh, personally, the solo in It's a Great Life. Um, <clears throat> okay. He's incorporating uh, the use of some octaves there. Um, <clears throat> and I, I really like the tone on that solo, um, not as much distortion. Um, it doesn't sound like Ace, and I yeah. mean that in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. That's... A, Definitely one of the, you know, we were talking about growth earlier. That's definitely one of the examples for me, that that song and that solo. It's a different type of solo that we would hear from Ace, um, kind of understated. And, again, he's using uh, uh, some octaves there, which is definitely a jazz technique. So uh, that song grooves. I really like that tune. Me too, but we'll get into 
the complete love of that later. Uh, here's a clip called Anomaly, the Mindset of. I mean, when I went into the students to do anomaly, I tried to get into the same mindset. I listened to that album several times, and I tried to remember what mindset I was in when I recorded that, and pretty much it was just me and Anton Fig. Um, and I tried to, you know, me and Anton worked on a lot of the songs uh, with the help of Anthony uh, Esposito, my bass player. Mm-hmm. And, but I was in that same mindset, you know, I was producing the record, I was writing, I was playing a lot of the parts, and uh, I think this album is probably closer to anything I've done since that first <coughs> album. And one, one, one interviewer said, uh, you know, I heard the record, it sounds like Son Of. The Son Of 1970. Son Of. <laughs> Which yeah. usually I'm called Son Of Something, but has nothing to do with that. We won't go there, though. Yeah, right that's, that's a whole other show. Um, <laughs> the bastard you know, known as Ken. Um that brings up a good point to me, you know, the whole 78, let's let's face it, the 1978 solo albums with us KISS fans, that's, that's you know, hollow ground, you know, and um, I think Ace has been pretty clear, you know, um, this album, it's, he was trying to get into that mindset, you know, I think the creative type of mindset, but, you know, at the end of the day, personally, with all the solo albums from the original members that have come in the last few years, I haven't been expecting 1978 solo album part two, personally, I know, a lot of fans, you know, that's kind of what they've wanted. But for me personally, you know, I don't know how you feel. I really haven't been expecting that myself. Well, I think it would be great. But, you know, um, if they weren't able to do it in 1979, <laughs> how could they do it in 2009? Exactly. You know? uh, music and sounds, a lot of it depends on the room you're recording in, the environment, mm-hmm. where your head's at. Yeah. Where your musicianship level is, yeah. there's a lot of things going on. It's not 1978, and for anyone to think, and this goes yeah. for Pete's rock album that he's working on, or the forthcoming Kiss album, or mm-hmm. this album. If you're expecting 1978, it, 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 God bless yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if anybody can find a time machine, you know, let me know because let's go back, you know. But, right. Yeah, and I think you you hit on a point too. Uh, you know, Ace. Um, 1978, different place. I mean, we get songs like Snowblind, Ozone, Wiped Out, where, you know, let's face it, you know, Ace was, you know, into... He was wiped out. He was Yeah, he was consuming some stuff. (laughs) He was in the Ozone. Um, And now we're getting A Little Bull of the Angels, Change the World, um, It's a Great Life, some different type of things, you know, so I think that that also bears mentioning. Okay. Um, One of the thrills that I had with Ace uh, when we did the, the podcast interview with him is I was able to talk about uh, two of the songs that did it for me as a musician and a fan of music, and that was Day Tripper and mm-hmm. uh, Parasite, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a thrill hearing that uh, he was into the Who's My Generation. Like, that was the song that made him mm-hmm. click and want to pick up that guitar and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we're going to listen to a clip about early sounds and influences. And one day I went to my friend's house, Johnny, who had a, an electric guitar, and I turned it on and hit a chord, and that was it. I was in love. <laughs> and, uh, you know, through the years as a teen, you know, obviously I was influenced really greatly by uh, the English invasion, the Beatles, the Stones, uh, uh, the Who. 
Jimi Hendrix, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, of course, and Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of molded my style around, you know, a lot of this, their styles, and somehow I came up with my own style, you know. Excellent clip there. Indeed. Um, it's just cool to think about the embryonic state that, you know, he, he came out of that school. And uh, what, a, what a great time and period uh, in, in musical history to grow up, you know, just so many different sounds exploding. And yeah. That's a really so cool to, clip. So much to soak up, absolutely. And the great thing, you know, it's you know interesting to hear him talk <coughs> about that. And I think on this album, you know, you're hearing some of this on the sleeves. I mean, Foxy and Free, you know, a direct, I think there's a direct homage in some of uh, the music, uh, you hear some Jimi Hendrix there, you know, Foxy and Free, you know, a little, little, you know, tip of the hat to Foxy Lady, and then yeah. Genghis Khan. I mean, you know, the Zeppelin overtones and influences there are really striking to me. Very true. Now, we talk about influences. Um, Les Paul passed away recently, the uh, the inventor of the Les Paul guitar, and it's, it's hard to think about uh, Ace Fraley without conjuring up visions of the Les Paul that he is so identified with, um, except for that horrible Washburn guitar that he had for like five seconds in the 80s. <laughs> that was a great guitar, Ken. <clears throat> you ever play anything like that? I, I haven't. I, I have a you know I have a collection of guitar magazines. I, I have some of the ads that Ace was in with that guitar, and yeah, it's the strangest looking thing. And I've you know I think he's even said that the tone was terrible. So yeah, that was a bad experiment <laughs> gone <Yeah>. wrong. <laughs> I remember one interview where he said he like played it for five minutes on stage, immediately went right <laughs> back to the Les Paul. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I think that's when Ace said, okay, you know I'm not venturing outside the Les Paul. <laughs> <laughs> But he does play uh, Tally's and Strats a, a bit on this album, yeah. and he uh, gets different tones and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, speaking about Les Paul, here's a clip about uh, Ace speaking about Les Paul, the man who created the guitar that he's named after, or that, that is named after him. Sorry. I was I was headed down to New York to to the actual to the Gibson showroom. And we got a phone call, what, about 15 minutes before we got there that, that Les Paul had passed away, and I, I was heartbroken. I mean, Les influenced so many people, and I think in many ways that people don't even understand that are here tonight. I mean, Les not only invented the electric guitar, he invented multi-track recording, he invented reverb. I mean, the guy was a wizard. Uh, I first saw him perform, uh, you know, at that little club he plays in in Manhattan. I got a chance to jam with him and hang out with him and his son. I mean, he was just a wonderful human being. And he was always very up, and he always kept busy well into his 90s. So, you know, we lost a giant. And he's, I'm sure, you know, he's going to be missed by a lot of people. He definitely will be missed. Uh, Absolutely. Great, you know, great words from Ace there. I mean, the whole, I mean, music community, you know, tremendous loss. And uh, obviously for rock and roll, I mean, not only with Ace, but so many other players. You know, uh, I've used the Les Paul, and as Ace was saying, a lot of uh, multi-tracking and reverb and things in the studio, you know, that, that Les had a hand in. Um, yeah, tremendous loss. Wow. Now, are, are you a Les Paul user, or...? That's the, that's the interesting thing, is uh, I actually have a, a Les Paul Jr. I'm more of a, <clears throat> you know, I, I my first guitar was an Ibanez, and, uh, you know, I've I've played Jackson guitar, so more of the shred type guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I definitely, you know, uh, like to play my Les Paul Jr. And it definitely there's a, there's a sound inherent to those guitars. So 
you're working on something in the studio or you need to, to, to break it out and you're going for a specific sound, um, you know, indispensable, obviously. Excellent. Um, we're going to listen to a clip where Ace is going to talk about cultivating his sound and style. Well, I mean, I think it kind of all culminated with my solo album in 1978. You think it takes that long to do that? Well, you know, my sound prior to that record was me in conjunction with Paul G and Peter, which was great, and we and we made some great records. But you know, that first solo album was pretty much me and Anton Fig, the whole record. Excellent. Um, so he really found his his musical direction. And it's cool that he was able to uh, definitely be a huge influence on Kiss and uh, a huge uh, part of their sound. But he really found his musical voice on that solo album. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, you know, for him uh, going into the studio on that project, like you said, it was just him and Anton, Anton Fig. You know, Anton playing the drums and Ace was given the the creative license to to come up with his parts and um you know if you listen to that album you know to this day you know lots of guitars on that um he's experimenting on that album so <clears throat> it was interesting to hear Ace say that you know that was when he finally kind of cultivated his voice and his sound um you know cuz we all we, we all go back to those you know the the Kiss studio albums and love Ace's playing but uh, interesting to hear him acknowledge that he didn't think that you know he cultivated his sound until that album. And and one, that is one hell of a way to find your musical voice. And in a way, the solo albums kind of forced them all out. Absolutely. In a no, way. All across the board, absolutely, 100% agreed. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of time to mess around <laughs> either. It's kind of like, guess what you guys are doing this summer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wow, wow, what a way to be thrown out there to the wolves. Uh, and uh, how about that, just the other day, September 18th was the, what, 31st uh, anniversary of that. I mean, and time, time flies there, hey, Ken? I, it's hard to believe. I mean, I remember when I got those, of course, uh, we couldn't afford all four. Mm-hmm. So I got the Gene and the Ace. No kidding. Yeah. And, and my brother got Pete and Paul. Yeah. So... Uh, that, and and that, that's how it went across the board. Like like when the Kiss Mega Dolls came out, yeah. I could only get two, and my brother got the other two. Yeah. The only thing is, my brother like took care of stuff for crap. Yeah. So it's like I'm like Mister, no, keep that nice in the box, and he's just like, ah, ah, ah. you know, yeah. he's a four years younger than me, dragging Peter Chris's head through the dirt. Ah, <laughs> he might as well be a GI Joe doll, you know. We're gonna take that hill, Pete. You know. <laughs> Look, yeah. it's Peter Chris. Gene Simmons and the Six Million Dollar Man action figure. They're all... <laughs> and I'm like, those are going to be collectible someday. But, it, you uh, know, who knew, who knew, who knew? You have to say, do you still have your, uh, do you still have the dolls? I, I actually wound up getting the Peter Chris doll yeah. from from my brother. Okay. And cool. uh, and the Paul Stanley doll. I, right. I gave the, the Paul Stanley doll to a huge Paul Stanley fan. Oh, very cool. She she loves it and has it around. And anytime you can give 12 inches of uh, Paul Stanley to some girl, you know they they're usually happy. So Ken Paul is just Paul's got to pick up on that line. I mean that that was great. I know it's 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 there all this time, but uh, <laughs> she's she's very happy <laughs> anyway. As well she should be. So we're going to listen to a clip about uh, uh, actually Ace's uh, guitar recording and his techniques. 
What I'd like to do is layer, you know, I'll usually do a bed track with a Les Paul, and then I, I like to double a lot of my rhythm tracks with Fenders, because they have a different harmonic range, and uh, when you blend a Gibson sound with a Fender, you get a really thick rhythm sound. So, you know, you do a couple of, I'll do a, a track with a Les Paul, and then maybe do, use a different Les Paul and, and blend it differently, and I'll throw in a Strat and a Tele, you got a really thick track. And I've been doing that since my first, 78 album, and you know, I basically didn't record this new album very differently from that very first album. You know, I used a lot of the miking techniques and amplifiers I used on that first record. You know, I've learned a lot from Eddie Kramer and, and you know Bob Ezrin and you know, worked with some great producers. You know, I acquired a lot of knowledge, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I remembered a lot. <laughs> Glad he remembered a lot. That's a yeah, cool absolutely. clip. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, here, here's Ace talking about the. Oh, you have something to say, Tim? No, I was going to say. I was just going to say. Obviously, it's apparent to me with the guitar work on this album. I, I'm really liking the tones on the album. Uh, I think uh, some great sounding guitar work from Ace. And uh, you know, you're definitely uh, for me. I'm hearing on Genghis Khan again. You know, those thick power chords. I'm definitely mm-hmm. hearing the Les Paul and hearing some some Fenders. I think they're either panned or something, so it definitely it, it adds a, like you said a thickness to the track. So now, very cool stuff we, there. We were talking about the solo in uh, "It's a Great Life." Mm-hmm. It, do you think that's a, a Strad or? I think yeah, like? you know what? Uh, I think that I think that's still Les Paul actually. Um, wow. Yeah, I think because it, 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 it kind of does have the beefy of it, but yeah. it just seems so different than anything else we've and ever I think, heard him do. Yeah. If I, I, you know, I'm guessing, but I think it's Les Paul. I think he's rolling down the volume knob uh, to cut some of the distortion, and it, it gives it kind of more of a glassy tone. Um, but, uh, but yeah, very, very cool solo. Uh, our last little bit of interview clip for this little section. Uh, Ace is going to talk about the effect of. Um, uh, he's going to talk about how things have changed. For example, we've went from cassette to 8-track and so on and so forth, and, and he's going to talk about that. It hasn't affected me in the way I, I write or, or produce. You know, it's, it's the way you market stuff today is completely different than you, you know, the way you did before you know, with, with vinyl. I mean, I've seen the advent of vinyl, I've seen the advent of cassettes, 8-tracks. By the way, I heard Cheap Trip just came out with an 8-track. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, eight track. It doesn't get any more roots here than that, Ken. I know, Gary. Do you want a, a uh, Ace Frehley anomaly eight track? Is the Pope Catholic? Is the Pope Catholic? You have to bring religion <laughs> into this. <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? We welcome Gary Schaller, the founder and host of the Podcast Show. Gary, how are you doing? Hey man, how's it going? It's, it's going well. How's the Thanks. show sounding so far, Gary? 
That sounds great. You guys are doing a great job. I'm loving these Ace Frehley clips. This is great. They're very kick-ass. Nice. We're going to enter into the discussion of the CD proper. We're going to go track by track now. Nice. Nice. <laughs> okay, so the first track, we have Foxy and Free. Any thoughts, guys, on that track? Did I lose everyone? No. <laughs> Uh, I, I, it's so it's such a mind blowing song that we couldn't respond. Oh, okay. Good cover, good cover. It starts the record off with a bang, and it's great to hear something heavy right off the bat. You know, a little detuning. Yeah. Personally, I'm a fan of detuning myself, but uh, some people are complaining about it. They going back to they want 1978. Well, it's not 1978. Uh, it's all good. It's how you how you use it. What do you guys think? I you know for me I like you said Gary I think this this gets the, the album off with the bang and um, I love the big chords the the little sixteenth note muting thing big drums um, and I'm really massive the, drums massive drums <laughs> on this track and and really liking the Hendrix kind of you know homage you know with the big delay effect and uh, little hints to, to Foxy Lady near the end and uh, I think it's one of a, one of Ace's more rocking <laughs> solos on on the album definitely. definitely. And lyrics are good too. Yeah, yeah they are. Rock and track. And I'm I'm planning to go to a strip club, and I'm taking the CD with me to see if it in fact is a great stripper song. I might have to stay there all night to make sure that it's a good stripper song. But you know. you'll be taking one for the team, and we appreciate that. Well, hey, it's it's you know I have to. Um, we have to talk about the album's dedications. He of course dedicated it to Dimebag Daryl and Eric Carr. And here's uh, Ace speaking about that. Dime was a great friend. You know, when I heard about what happened, uh, you know, I was heartbroken. You know, I mean, how tragic is that? You know, I was lucky enough to meet him. Uh, the first time I met Dimebag, we were shooting the cover for guitar player. And I was just lucky enough that I could, you know, he was an influence on me just the way I was an influence on him. And uh, it was, I was just happy I could, you know, dedicate the, the album to, to him and Eric Carl, who's another dear friend. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Two guys that should not be forgotten. Very nice. Definitely not. Uh, We have two clips about the next track, track two. Of course, the lead-off single, Outer Space. What do you guys think of this song? Uh, It was a good way to get the record out in terms of, you know, early publicity. Um, I keep hearing that he didn't write it. I just have a hard time believing that he didn't write it because it's such an ace song, you know. At least he had to have his hand in there somewhere. Well, it, 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 I think it's one of those kind of things where a person's spirit is all over something. Right. You know what I mean? Like for example, what is? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh, um, that like for example, there's just certain songs that like people were meant to record. Like, could you guys imagine Van Halen without their cover of the King? She really got me now. Could right. You, right. Seriously. Yeah. No. It's almost like. Uh, he set that up for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just, right. it just, he just inhabits in, 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 inhabits it. Uh, yeah. If I can get that sentence out. Uh, and the and the spacey sound effects are great too. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go right ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, that's just I, I love the use of sound effects. Uh, I don't know if, the, if I'm saying this right, but there's a term, uh, musique concrète. I think is how it's pronounced. It's like when you use sound effects in music, like Detroit Rock City, things like that. Oh, very cool. 
Of course, yeah. that was the most pretentious way I could think of saying it. But that, you know, that's I'm here all week. Try the deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, what do you think about outer space? I, you know what, I I, I like the track. Um, you know, and we have learned obviously since that you know Ace collaborated with a couple of uh, you know kind of unknown uh, quantities on this. But, uh, you know, uh, it's a heavy-sounding song. Uh, you know, it's in drop D that gives it, uh, you know, uh, kind of kicking-in-the-teeth type of feel. And the lyrics, you know, again, not them overly serious, but uh, they almost sound kind of comic bookish to me. And uh, yeah. I love that little The Earth is Rolling a 7 bit at the end. Um, That's one of my favorite parts of the song. Yeah, it's very, very cool. cool. And uh, the backward solo bit, you know, uh, it's it's interesting he kind of just flipped it over in Pro Tools and to me that's kind of a throwback to you know speeding back to my baby and you know uh, kind of a classic ace there. Well, Tim, it always sounds like you were setting up for this clip. There we go. Right. I did this crazy guitar solo and I decided to reverse it in Pro Tools and have it backwards and you know all sorts of <laughs> funny fun things. And then I got even more creative and started putting special effects in the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was so easy with Pro Tools because you know. <laughs> this was the first time I ever did with Pro Tools. You could just cut and paste special effects and put them where you want them, and you could slide them, listen to it again. It's not in exactly the right spot. You just slide it with the mouse. I mean, it's, it's a really exciting process. I'm doing it in my hotel room while these guys are mixing another song, and, you know, it just expedited the whole uh, mixing process. Excellent. Tim, you mentioned the, the lyrics about uh, the Earth is rolling a seven. Did this song remind you guys a little bit of, uh, not musically, but lyrically, of Remember Me? Yeah, I can kind of see where you get that. Yeah, that sort of like, no. no, like that, he's got that little like, uh, I don't know, I, I would say like ecology thing going on, or just that he's singing about the Earth, like he's concerned about it a little bit, I don't know. Uh, but Remember Me, oh, that, that. What's that? And he's going to bury some chick, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Think about the earth, bury some chick, you know, it's all good. We have a call coming in from the 415 area code. We're adding you to the mix. Hello, 415 area code. 415? This is Julian. Julian. Yeah, hey, guys. Hey. Oh, excellent. Welcome to I the had a, I, I heard 415, and I was like, maybe it's Julian. Heavy legend action in the room here. Hey, Julian. The the place just got classied up a bit. Oh, no, it just got taken down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast live. Uh, we're discussing track two, Outer Space. What do you think of it? Which one was that? Outer Space? Oh, Outer Space? It doesn't yeah. do a whole lot for me. It's a decent track, but, uh, you know, there's other stuff on the album that I like a lot more. Uh Eddie Trunk gave uh, Ace the advice to go with this as a single as opposed to Fox on the Run. In retrospect, was it a good call or not? Oh, that's tough. I mean, uh, at the radio station yesterday, they wanted to play Foxy, uh, Fox on the Run way more than this track. Yeah. And, and did they wind up doing that? Oh, they, they played the, uh, Fox on the Run first, and then they had to get uh, Outer Space in at the end. Ah, I see. So, it, I, I, it, to me, it almost is which uh, format you're running into. Is it, is it, if it's a more classic rock, you definitely would want to go with the Fox on the Run. Yeah. You know, it, they almost should have done a double-sided single. Not that they make those anymore. But I think Eddie Trunk. I, I mean, I don't know. I think he was right on the money. Actually, I, I, I think if you're going to do a single, 
now that I'm saying this, of course, I'm thinking about New York Groove. But <laughs> if you're going to do an A single for a record that, he, you know, first record in 20 years, it might be something that, you know, he has his stamp on uh, lyrically or maybe some of the songwriting. It sounds like an A song, Outer Space, and, and that might have been why they wanted to pick that, too. I agree. So, Julian, what are your thoughts on the album uh, overall? Any favorite standout tracks? Overall, very impressed. You know, Ace came out with something that's uh, overall very stunning. Um, you know, there's a lot of good tracks to pick out for this album. I mean, Genghis Khan, love it. You know, that is just so mm -hmm. fat and meaty, you know, and just it's got a great attitude. Uh, Too Many Faces, I think, is my personal favorite. Now, now, why do you choose that one? You know, it's got some of the pop pretensions uh, that come across. It's just very friendly. It's also, you know, it seems to be kind of uh, autobiographical in a way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very simplistic. It's, uh, you know, not trying to be anything uh, spectacular. Just straightforward. Good rock. Not a damn thing wrong with that. Uh, Ace does great pop music, and he's done great pop music for a really long time. And I know that he's a rock guy, but, I mean, his contributions to Unmasked are, it's like pop heaven. And, and, and uh, he's always done great pop music. And so I, I have to agree with Julian here. That's a great song. I like it as well. One of my favorites on the record. And I, I, I made that <clears throat> the pop correlation as well. And I love the guitar tone on the clean bit. It's almost <clears throat> a very Rush, Alex Lyson sounding to me. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Damn, that's yeah, it's very good. So, Julian, what do you think of Tim's uh, job so far? Uh, which aspect? Uh, he's, he's he's keeping it together. He's not uh, stuttering. I, I, this is almost like we could do like a uh, a review of Tim's job so far on the show. I, I think oh. he's kicking ass. Hey, he's a cool guy. You know, he's not he's he's not going to let you guys down. Excellent. Well, he hasn't uh, at all. I appreciate that, Julian. I, I, just a quick, I got to meet Julian. Uh, we were at the Kiss show um, and. Um, God, what's, I'm already blanking on the city. It was Central California. Yeah, Paso Robles or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Um, so we got to meet, and it was very cool to, to meet Julian and, and hang out uh, at a KISS show. Very cool stuff. That's got to be fun. Uh, Julian, I just want to thank you personally from everyone that's listening. Uh, you have created a great site, and uh, we cannot thank you enough for it. Hey, thanks. There hasn't, there hasn't been a single... This is our. This will be, you know, our 22nd thing that we're doing, and there hasn't been a single installment of podcast that I can think of since the first one, where we haven't uh, thanked and and not really thanked enough uh, Julian and Kiss FAQ for being a great website. And we we go to Kiss FAQ probably every single time we do a podcast just to check that we have our facts straight. And we're not necessarily talking about the message board because that's like a daily living thing that can come and go we're talking about more importantly uh the the wealth of information that you have it's a variable uh kisslopedia if you will like, like careful that. gene will take that you know yeah that's <laughs> actually the next thing i've got coming out kisslopedia i'm gonna see if julian will do it it'll be fantastic it's very good <laughs> it'll be available at walmart exclusively two million <laughs> how can it be available at walmart exclusively aren't there going to be eight different covers well, yes, but uh, actually 12, but we're not getting oh. into that right now. Okay. Can't talk about that right now. Can't talk about that right now. Chinese business. Anyway. Uh, 
Okay. We've got uh, track three, which is pain in the neck. Any thoughts on it? Well, actually, uh, Ken, you had a thought about uh, one of the lyrics. I yeah. Did. Yeah, you uh, asked. Remember this? You, we, were, we, were, look, we, were, we had the previews before we talked to Ace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. What was the lyric? There was something that we were thinking sounds... Uh-oh, is he talking about Gene? Is that the one you're talking about? Right, right. What was that lyric? I don't know, but there's there's one little lyric in there that makes you think, like, gee, is he talking about Gene? Of course, a lot of people seem to uh, ascribe this to uh, Wendy Moore. Mm-hmm. Of course, anything. I, it, a lot of people are comparing her to everything on this album, or putting things on her, you know, like is, like, is she the chick in outer space that he's burying in the dirt? And I think Ace has moved on, guys. You know. You know, I don't know if anybody, but I, for me, I'm picking up on the lyrical vibe, you know, kind of like parasite-ish, you know, talking about a girl who's, you know, who needs to kind of, you know, go away, and uh, I don't know, that's kind of the vibe I was getting from it. Excellent point. We have a call coming in on from the 773 area code, and we'll see if they... Hello there, 773, are you out there? <laughs> I am out here. This is Matt Walters. I commonly go by the name Necronomicon on KISS FAQ. Hey. All right. Glad you joined us. Wanted to just chime in with a few thoughts about Anomaly myself. Because, uh, um, you know, I think think it was Gary who made this point. It wouldn't surprise me because I know he's a big fan of Unmasked. But uh, I think he made the point that Ace is a great pop songwriter and that uh, Too Many Faces represented that sort of same pop sound that he had on Unmasked. Right. And I think that's a fantastic point because, um, you know, Ace really put his stamp on Dynasty and Unmasked as far as writing great streamlined pop rock songs that Kiss really needed at that time. And right. the nice thing I like about Anomaly is that, you know, you've got half the record is really similar in tone to a 78 solo. And the other half of the record branches out in very sort of different ways but the overall vibe that I get, and I get this from the Kiss record as well, which I know we're not talking about tonight, but I get from both records that they're just, everybody's in a really good place right now. And everybody is, is, is contributing to something from a place of strength. And I really enjoy that about Anomaly in particular. So, um, and I think, I think it's just a great, I think it's a fantastic album. I think it's a triumph race. Nice. It's, a, it's just got a very positive vibe to it. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, another thing about that is that I think as, a, as fans, and I, I don't think this can be emphasized enough, and I know that this, this is something that we sort of hint at on the, on the FAQ, you have to be in the right mindset to approach the albums with an open mind, too. And with Ace's record, I'm not a fan of the Freely's Comet stuff at all. I never really listened to it that much because I'm not a fan of 80s production as much. But Ace has always been my favorite member of Kiss, and his work in Kiss has always attracted me. And so... I approached this record with a completely open mind. And so I was sort of ready for this album to blow me away, you know. And uh, I, so. Yeah, I think one of the things about Fraley's comment when, we, when you talk about the, the whole Ace Fraley catalog, one of the things about Ace Fraley's comment that I liked about Fraley's comment is that it really was a band. And um, I think that was a, like, he made a conscientious effort to make it a band, which uh, when we were talking to Todd Howard, he sort of, uh, back that up a little bit. You know, he said that that was true, um, but I think that because it's a, it, they were a band and they made band records, you don't get as much of of sort of the kind of classic A stuff that we 
may uh, may have come to love from Kiss and that we he- are hearing an anomaly. Um, right. Getting a lot of other people's stuff too. Right. And and um, and with regard to when you guys were talking about paying the neck a minute ago, I think that um, the other thought I wanted to sort of chime in with is I do think that song is ascribable to Wendy Moore personally because there's a couple of references, there's a couple of really subtle references to things that we know of with respect to their relationship. One of them, is, one of them I think, alludes to drugs and, um, and something about sort of living in sin and that kind of thing. And, you know, she lived with him for a while. And it just had that vibe about it that it might, it might actually be about Wendy. So that was one of my theories as well. Can she, can love- this, would this be a good time to tell my Wendy Moore story? Sure. Do you have one? <laughs> this is probably the dumbest, most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my entire life. And uh, and everyone on on the phone right now uh, knows like I can do some dumb, embarrassing things. But um, I was at Ace, Ace's Bronx Walk of Fame induction ceremony, and it was great. Okay. He was in good spirits and. Maybe good spirits were in him as well, and he was, you know, it was it was a great moment, and he he, he couldn't have felt better. Uh, and there was a, a young lady hanging out with him the entire day, and she looked proud, and he looked proud. And at one point, I went up to her and I said, "You must be really psyched for your dad." <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic. There's a Three Stooges clunk for you, Gary. Yeah. 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 So, so what'd she say? She said, "I'm his girlfriend." Ouch. And I said, "I'm gonna go stand over there." (laughs) 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 This is is a good time as any to play this. (laughs) Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podcast. Right. I gotta, I gotta tell you guys a story. You guys are ready for this? When Ace recorded oh, bumpers for the podcast, <laughs> there's a recording we have of Gary almost falling out of his chair, laughing with glee, and he thanked Ace. I'm gonna play it sometime on the podcast. It's so hilarious. But it's like Ace goes, "This is Ace Fraley. You're listening to podcast," and you hear Gary go, "Oh my god." Uh, I, I think it was higher. It was a little girlier. <laughs> His hair actually turned into pigtails, you know. So. It did. It did, and I had a little Hello Kitty lunchbox. It was great. <laughs> but I think Ace is nothing... having that effect on a lot of people at the moment. Yeah, there, there's nothing like uh, having one of your childhood heroes, uh, you know, do something like that. You kiss crap. So the next great. track is Fox on the Run. And we're going to listen to a little clip about the beginning of that track. We kind of, you know, we listened to the original. I remember I was like, what about this keyboard? I had a keyboard. I played guitar for us. I I told Ace when he was was like walking out of the hotel and he's writing down notes about Fox on the Run. I said to him, I go, well, you know, the intro, instead of doing a keyboard thing, just hit your toggle switch. I mean, that's what he's known for. And that's the toggle switch you hear at the beginning of the song. And it works so well. So what do you mm-hmm. guys think about the track Fox on the Run? I actually think that it's it's more of a it's more of a Duya type track than a New York Groove track type track. Myself. Mm-hmm. Now what does that mean exactly? It, it means that it's a it's a that Ace can do because he can emulate the original version very well 
Whereas New York Groove was a song, he took it and made it his own song. You know, I felt like Do You was more of a song that sounded like a song Ace could sing easily and could nail out of the park and do a faithful original cover of. Um, everybody knows Do You. Everybody knows Fox in the Run. And so it's taking a song and giving it sort of the Ace treatment, but staying very close to the original. Whereas like New York Groove was almost, it became his. Exactly. He, had, he, he sort of adopted that song from Les Ballard. So this is more, more than likely going to be the second single. You guys like it? Thumbs up, thumbs yeah. down. Yeah, thumbs up. It's now, good. Our next track is track five, which is Genghis Khan, which seems to be the one track that everybody seems to be digging quite a bit. Thank you, studio audience. Um, what do you guys love about this track, and what's not to love about this track? Uh, uh, Personally, I, this is my favorite track on the album thus far. Um, I think this is another example of the growth uh, of Ace on this, this album. That intro, that's something that I've never heard from Ace before. I, I, first time I heard it, I was like, wow. You know, it sounds straight out of the Coverdale Page album to me. You know, very Jimmy Pages. And the wind and the thunder effects that lead into those thick guitar chords and um, uh, the drum groove, uh, you know, so much on this track going on, you know, it's a treat to listen to with headphones, that middle acoustic bit, uh, another nod to Zeppelin. The leads are pretty understated uh, throughout until he gets to the wah-wah solo, solo. Just a, a very creative track from Ace, and, and I, I'm really loving this track. Necronicon? Oh, I, I really like the, um, the treatment that he gives it is very similar to the treatment on the song Ozone on the 78 solo album as far as instrumentation goes. He, he uses the acoustic guitar sort of to uh, embellish the main part of the song, but in adding that intro and in adding some of the other effects to it, what I felt he's done is he's sort of taken it into a progressive rock territory, and I think, Gary, that's something that you've agreed with as well. And uh, it, it, just, it, just, it just surpasses your expectations in so many ways because it, it has that ace treatment. It has that ace sound. It's got those layered vocals and the acoustic guitar, but then it just goes a step farther, and it's a fantastic song. Uh, Julian, I know that, like uh, me, you've been immersed in the new Beatles box set. You still there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. And uh, I hear uh, bits of revolver or revolver-type sounds. Not saying that he's trying to get that sound, but there are places that like, uh, like, for example, in Tomorrow Never Knows uh, by the Beatles, that this song like seems like it comes from the same valley. You know, it's just got so many textures layered upon each other, and I mean, he's he's been very proud of, what did he say, it's got like a hundred tracks or something on that song, and it really does come across, it's not just layered, it's a, it's a tapestry. It really is, it, it's an amazing piece of work. I filled it in time, uh, do you know how everybody went on about Fractured Mirror from the 78 album, I think in five years' time they'll be talking about this track, like they did about that one. So it's a... It's a great song. It's one of the things that um, I love about this record is that uh, I think Tim mentioned listening to it with headphones. If, if I close my eyes, even though there are, there's a lot of overdubs on the track, I feel like I'm in a studio listening to Ace uh, Jam, and that's an amazing feeling. Yeah. So damn cool. Next track is, of course, Too Many Faces. Uh Another song that's a little bit more introspective than we're used to uh, hearing from Ace, and I think this is part of his musical growth for sure. Uh, any thoughts on this track? 
Yeah, uh, I was, again, yeah, I was picking up definitely, the you know, uh, mentioned earlier the pop kind of overtones. Definitely picking that up. Um, I like the cool little descending chromatic riff that kind of leads off the track. And, again, the clean guitar sounds. Right when I heard it, I was like, wow, what a great tone. Um, and, again, I think the, the lyrics, obviously, are a little bit of a, a, a nod to, to the Kiss days. It sort, of, it sort of seemed like also that it was a similar song to something that I would think, think lyrically uh, we might we might find uh, it reminded me of for some reason it reminded me of Peter Chris I don't know why but the 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 one for all stuff you know there's some sort of similarity with the lyrics with respect to the stuff that Peter Chris did on one for all but it was it had a very n- nice nice sort of tone and then the thing I like about that song too is that he doesn't try to shove too many words into a phrase he just sort of lets it breathe he has a very simple lyric simple vocal line simple delivery you know are there any Pink Floyd fans on the phone. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think uh, you know that I, I I think I sent you that link to that "Play Me at the Sky" song years ago. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, if you follow uh, Roger Waters, you know, post Floyd and and especially in recent years, um, he's he's become just a very streamlined, simple lyricist. He's a great lyricist and knows how to use a real economy of words to say something that hits you, but without getting too flowery. And that's how this these lyrics hit me like that. And that's no small thing. I mean, I just compared, did I dare do that? I just compared Ace Fraley to Roger Waters as a lyricist, but it's well-deserved, I think. I guess he has shown some growth then. <laughs> Our next track is Change the World. Thoughts? Yeah, I like it. In reading, as I say, in reading some of the, you know, the reviews, I think this is a track that a lot of people are on the fence of. Some people like it, some people don't like it. I personally, I like it. Again, it's one of the left turns on this record for me. We're seeing these side of Ace uh, lyrically. You know, we're, we're not getting the snow blind and wiped out. It's changed the world. So this is a reflective, I think, of Ace being healthy, happy, and clear. And uh, I respect this song, um, you know, on an artistic level with Ace trying to bring something new to the table. And it's certainly new. I just found it a little bit too Michael Jackson in nature. Yeah, I, I like the song. It's, it's probably my least favorite song, but I, I, I like when he goes softer because it, it doesn't seem contrived. That, that's the thing about sometimes Paul Stanley goes into, into territory where you just think, you know, this is a little bit too contrived for a ballad here. He's, he's reaching a bit. But I never got that sense from either one of the ballads on AC's album. They both seem very authentic and from the heart and very personal. Of course, this is where I have to remind Gary that there is no political discussions forthcoming, even though... Uh, I said nothing. I said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we got to rain a minute occasionally, folks. You know? uh, Space Bear, the instrumental. I like the return better, but they're both good. Yeah, fun uh, riff-based cut, and, you know, for me, I'm hearing some Sabbath kind of riffs and, and vibe and on, uh, on on this track. Um, and again, At the end. Yeah, exactly, exactly, at the end. And um, this track, again, he played at the Viper Room last Saturday, went over great live, uh, very fun. There was yeah, that's what I'm looking for. It reminded me of Pantera. I'm not sure which little phrase or, or whatever, but something jumped out to me that was very Pantera-ish. Check it out. And, and that's... I'm really looking forward to seeing the song live because, um, I, and I'm also wondering which ones of these songs he'll do live because this is one where I think that the, the music really does speak for itself. It didn't need a lyric, and it showed great restraint for Ace to put this as an instrumental on this album. It, it, he just said, you know what, this is what it is, and it's good enough. 
and that's great. So let's go around the room. If we had to choose between Space Bear and Return of Space Bear, which do you guys prefer? Julian? I haven't heard the return yet myself. I, I don't have the, uh, the iTunes track yet, so um, I can't speak to that. You know, I'm going to have to go with the original Space Bear. Having heard uh, Return of the Space Bear, you know, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, it's a good laugh. It, it just brings back everything that was Tom Snyder. But, you know, just having all those meaty chords, the whole instrumental, unobscured, does it for me. So, I can't wait uh, to hear it live. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, now, is is there anybody on the fence about buying the iTunes version? You know, I, that's a good question because I wish that, that they'd eventually make this track available as a standalone track because I would gladly pay for the track. I just don't want to have to buy Anomaly again to get one track. And so I'm sort of waiting to see if eventually they'll release it as a single uh, on iTunes and I can buy it that way. I'm hoping that's, that's what they'll do. I'm, I'm sure that eventually it'll be available. I, I don't necessarily want to just, just grab it from somebody. I, I'd, I'd like to pay Ace for it, but I, I just want to buy only that track, you know. Maybe Ace uh, needs to put out a 45, but this is a B-side. That would be a wow. great idea. That'd be great. You uh, guys want to hear be... a little bit of that right now? Sure, we'd love to. Let, let, let's do about 60 seconds of this. Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's a space bear! Trout, just saying hi. <laughs> yeah, I got a que- I have a question. I have a question. Is somebody listening to J-pop? What's J-pop? Like Japanese pop music. Before we before we went into the song, I heard something that was like. It sounds like. Is it Puffy Amy Yumi? Is it Pizzicato Five? Is it is it Shonen Knife? What like someone was listening to something very cool. And it sounded like Japanese singing. That was that was Roxy. That was my girlfriend playing guitar and singing. Oh yeah, no way! Wow. Yeah, okay. that was Roxy. I hope she's. Um, I hope she's not offended that, that it, about the J-pop comparison. I like it. No, no, she she loves that kind of stuff. I actually uh, stepped out, but actually I have to get off the phone, guys. Who's running away to a concert right now? Um, have fun. But thank you very much. It was great to talk to all of you. Great. To, thank you very much for podcasting. Kiss FAQ. We'll, we'll we'll see you guys soon. Okay. Thank you. God Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. We have a call coming in from the eight five nine area code. And hello. Hello. Ken, how's it going? Is this Ferk? It sure is. How's everybody doing? I told you awesome. never to call me here. Hey, James, oh tell every- James, tell everybody what you bought on Tuesday. I bought Anomaly. And my, and my, and my, and my, on Wednesday, 
the tickets to my first kiss show. Congratulations nice. on both of those purchases. That's right. You're joining so who on the line right now? You're, you're joining Julian, Tim Starr. Julian, how are you doing, man? Hey, uh, James. Some guy named Glad to speak to you. G. Schaller and uh, some idiot named Ken. He's here. Oh. Okay. And, and who else? Uh, Schaller, Julian, and Ken, and who else? Tim. Tim. Tim, how are you doing, buddy? James, how's it going? Well. Going great, man. Going great. Just uh, ducked out of work a little early to get on here and uh, see what everybody's uh, talking about on the live podcast, I guess. Now, Tim, you might have hung out with Bruce uh, Kulik last week and George mm-hmm. Lopez and Slash, but tonight uh, you're hanging out with Julian, Gary, Burke, <laughs> and me. Now, yeah, you know, it's... I know, you should hang out with I'll have to get back now. to you. you know, I don't know <laughs> if I can make the comparison yeah. right now. You know? You, know, you know, George Lopez, I'm happy for you, and I'm going to let you finish. But tonight, Tim's having the best hangout section of all time. Oh, well... <laughs> This is pretty cool, though. I will say I'm enjoying this, so it's all good. We all are. Uh, The next song is a pretty controversial song uh, among some fans. Some people love it. Some people don't seem to love it. And that is A Little Below the Angels. All right. I think we know James is in the love it camp, right? That is the greatest song Ace Riley has ever done, period. His solo career. So It's so honest. And, yes, some of the lyrics are kind of, you know, you know, alcohol was a friend of mine. It almost got me dead. You know, some of the lyrics aren't great. The spoken part's cheesy, but it comes from Ace's heart, and to me, that's just that puts it over the top. Yeah, I I agree. I, you know, I, this is as close as an honest lyric as we're going to get from Ace. Um, I love hearing a Hammond organ in a in a in an Ace Frehley track. Um, Who would have ever thought? Uh, yeah, right. no, um, and yeah. Uh, apparently I think Marty Fredrickson played that. Um, really cool, adds you know a nice dimension to the track. And um, yeah, the spoken part, you know, it is a little over the top, but you know I think that's a moment between Ace. And I think it's his daughter on the track, and yeah, you know, um, yeah, uh, I'm really liking this track. Again, this is one of those left field things, the departure, but I, I really like it. Okay, Julian, what are your thoughts on this track? You know, I have problems with some of it getting a bit too close to Dolls, which is a track I despise. But the oh. content of the content of what Love he's that saying, song. you know, it, it's it's an honest track. You know, even though it doesn't do it for me personally, what he's saying comes across, and it's just a whole different ace. So I'll give him a thumbs up for effort, and the thumbs down is only from my own perception. So that's fair. Very fair. And both of the songs uh, basically aimed at his daughter. Uh, here's a couple thoughts about the song from the man himself. It's always good to talk about your problems because once you get something out in the open, it's not a secret anymore. And once it's a, not a secret and you, and you realize you, know, you have a problem and you're willing to you know, meet it head on, that's, that's, that's when the healing takes place. So, uh, you know, it, you know like, like I said, you know, everybody knows that I, you know, I drink yeah. problems and, you know, you know with the help of God, you know, tomorrow will be three years. Yeah. Yeah. Three years, and the wow. uh, and the album came out three years to the day. So, congrats, yeah. Ace. Absolutely. So happy to hear that. I rewrote the song three times. I recorded it three three separate times. I recorded it in the studio with uh, with Sam Bennett, and you know, it just wasn't the way I heard it in my head when I wrote it originally on acoustic, and then I actually me and Derek. Went out to Long Island and recut the drums in Anton Fitch's studio in his basement out, out in Montauk. Mm-hmm. 
and that was good. But it's you know when I came back and listened to it after I did a rough mix, it just it wasn't there, right? So I ended up rewriting. Oh yeah, I forgot this. I played it for Marty, and he goes, you know, he goes, the verse sounds like a chorus, and he was right because I had actually taken the original verses from the chorus of the song I had written. And he picked up on it, which, which really made me think, maybe these verses aren't right. So I ended up throwing the verses out and rewriting the verses. And I decided to drop the drums until the bridge comes in. And it just gave it, and, and Martin, that's right, he played Hammond organ on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As Tim Austin. Yeah. Oh, um, I think that this is the track that people will be talking about for a very long time. Pro or con, you either love it or hate it. Yeah, Absolutely. Both ways. Yeah, on the message boards, it seems you know, like you said, you know, people are going uh, either way on this one. Now here's the you, I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say, you know, Tim mentioned the Hammond organ, and there's a lot that's really organic sounding about this record, and and I I, I hope I remember that when we get to uh, Fracture Quantum, because that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is just how organic and how um, raw and real this record sounds. I was going to hang up on you, but I guess I'll leave you on. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the next track almost seems to get overlooked, Sister. Uh, it's because Is it because we've had it a demo floating around for so long or performances of it floating around for so long? I think so. I think uh, Sister sounds great on this record, but Sister's not new to me. So when I listen to the album, even though I love Sister, and it might be one of the strongest tracks on the album, I don't really care because I've heard it so much. You know, I, there's other new material for me to explore. Julian, I believe you mentioned something about the drums being different. I, I think I just I came across with it. It just seemed to be lacking Richie. I'm so used to the demo that it was really hitting me that uh, and it was almost uncomfortable hearing it. But, you know, now I've listened to it a couple dozen times. It's grown on me. It, you know, I'm not missing the dueling guitars that I was so, so used to. On the, I guess the '95 version. So, um, and and it's a monstrous drum performance. Great. I I, I agree. I think I I love the demo version too. Uh, but uh, you know, I love I'm I'm really liking this version. Some great drum work. Um, and uh, Ace's vocals sound very strong on this track. Um, and I think this is a big rocking tune that that fits well on this record. You also put it in the perfect place on the album, in my opinion. You know, after after everything, it's just play, it, it sits very well now. Yeah. Um, you got to give uh, give it up to Scotty Coogan, who is able to stand up with Anton Fig. And there's not many drummers that can really do that. Right. Great drummer. Uh, the next yeah. song is "It's a Great Life." This is a personal favorite of mine. I love the solo in it. I love the message. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that won't like it, but to me, it really touches me. I'm I'm 45 years old, and this sums up so much of what I've been through. The times that I I I had the strength to do things, and then the times when I didn't. And as I'm a little bit older, I find myself with not as much spring in my step and not as much strength. But uh, it is a great life if you don't weaken, and uh, it just really speaks to me on a personal level. Any thoughts on this one, guys? Uh, you, you're you're right on the money. Uh, I work in a hospital. I work with sick people, and this is a song that I take to work with me in my head. And it's um, it's weird that this album's less than a week old, and it's already 
this song is already kind of becoming a little inspiring. Well, very inspiring. It's a great song. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really grown on me. As I've listened to the album, I didn't care for it. I deleted the, the Ace Frehley interview when we listened to the samples. It wasn't one of my favorites. And as I've listened to the album, and, you know, it really does, it, it puts things in perspective when you listen to it. And it, it's really well done. It's really just a great song overall. Julian and Tim? You get this far into an album and you get a track as powerful as this, that's impressive. You know, it's got a great message that, uh, you know, really shows Ace in a whole new frame of mind. Um, you know, it's so positive and it's just a really classy track. You know, it's well constructed. You know, I'm not going to get into any technical details about it because I couldn't. It just comes across as well-crafted music with a great message. High five, yeah. Julian. Right, right there, buddy. There you go. I agree wholeheartedly. Tim, I, I gotta, I gotta just say, oh, sorry. sorry. I just wanted to say this. Uh, I mean, we've, you know, we heard, I'm, you know, now I'm on the right track. I'm finally on the right track. Ace is back, and he told you so. And I don't know why. I, I just feel like when I listen to this album, there is no pretense. There are no false hopes and false promises. There's such a hopefulness that's in the lyrics. There's such an honest health healthiness to it. Um, and Ace is to be applauded for that. It's like he's done denying his problems. Like he's finally came to terms with, with the problems he's had and he's ready to put them behind him. It really feels good to listen to this record because of that. Yeah, now, and I think also a... that he knows that every day is a new battle, but he's walking down that road. You know, yesterday when I saw him, he was just in a whole different frame of mind. You know, body language was positive. And and it's part of that song's message as well. You know, he, he's he's trying to be healthy, but he knows it's a battle. That is fantastic, Tim. As a musician, we we discussed a little bit about the instrumentation on this track. Uh, the solo is just mind blowing to me. Not that it breaks tremendous new ground in riffery or anything like that. Yeah. But it's incredibly solid and it's incredibly tasteful and. I did not know Ace Frehley could play like this. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're hitting on the point that it's melodic, and he's he's incorporating some some octaves. Uh, you know, going for kind of a jazz sound. Uh, I love the tone on the solo, and it, it you know most importantly, obviously, you know, I think the solo fits fits the song to a T. It's a great complement to the song, um, and it is. It's a different side of Ace's playing that um, you know. It's, it, my ears perked up when I heard it. I'm like, wow, you know, that's that's a different side of Ace's playing. My favorite solo on the album. Yeah, it's very yeah, great. We have another caller, three one six. Can you hear us? Hello, three one six. We have you. Okay, this is Sean. Hello, <clears throat> or Hooligans Holiday from the Kiss FAQ. Oh wow! Hey. Come on, man. Good to talk to you. How you doing? So what do you think of the album? I think it's a good, solid rock record. Not anything, like, amazing jaw-dropping, but I like it. Was, it. was it more, less, or different from what you expected? Um, some of the tracks were surprising, like A Little Blow the Angels and It's a Great Life, but the rest was a lot similar to what I expected. Very cool. cool. Do you have a favorite track? Box on the Run. Box on the Run. Now, do you think that should have been the lead-off single 
or should they have went with outer space? Definitely. Oh, okay. Space seems like a very 70s kind of guy to me. And I think that song is very 70s-like. Now, are you a, a big fan of the uh, instrumentals that he's had on all of his solo work, the the Fractured Mirror series? Are you a big fan of that? I love the first one. Um, Fractured 2 on Freely's Comet was a bit too keyboardy. Fractured 3 was cool, and this one kind of bores me. Really? Yeah. Now, I know Ferk thinks it's awesome. Right? Yeah, I have a, a a little story that happened yesterday that kind of really put the song into perspective for me. No, I was sitting, I was reading a book, and it's a biography of um, a professional wrestler. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but my family was a professional wrestling family, and I've grown up with it over the years. And I was reading the book, and it was a biography of Bret the Hitman Hart. And if anybody is familiar with Bret Hart, they know that over the last probably 10 years, He's had a very tragic existence. You know, uh, his brother dying in the ring, and then, you know, him having a stroke, his parents dying, all this stuff. As I'm reading this final chapter, I'm listening to Anomaly, and it's talking about him kind of looking down over his dad as his dad puts away, you know, for the final time, and him saying his goodbyes and looking back over his life, and the fracture of the quantum starts. Wow. And it was like the most chill inducing thing I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, a very powerful song for a situation like that. Yeah, that's a neat matchup. I could, I could imagine that. Yeah, that's cool. All of these uh, songs in this series are very cinematic in nature. Would you? Absolutely. Sure. But again, you know, again, this one. What's I think interesting and different about this one? They all, they, they're, there's a certain thread that runs through them all. Uh, but what sounds different about this one is how. Again, organic it feels, and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have frustratingly. I don't have the musical vocabulary to, to say how or why, and I may lean on on Tim somewhat for this. But there's something very rich, raw, and organic about it. Yeah, you know, I stands out to me is you know, I'd Fracture Mirror the special, the original. That's like probably one of the first guitar instrumentals I ever heard. So I, I love that. I love the other two, and this one. It's turned to my favorites of the series, and, and yeah, you know, it's very naked, you know, Ace playing a 12-string guitar, um, and his lead work, you know, it's very, very simplistic and, and understated, but the notes are, all the notes are counting, you know. Um, Ace is playing few notes, but he's really milking them, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I like I said, this is probably emerging as my second favorite out of the series. Um, I haven't... Yeah, I haven't sat down to study or, or try and learn the tune, but uh, I would agree that there is, you know, there's not, uh, it is a very raw-sounding track. Fantastic. We have a couple clips of Ace talking about this. I'll play them both, and we'll discuss them afterwards. That was a continuation of three other instrumentals that originally all started off with Fractured Mirror. That's really going to be the last song in, in the Fractured segment, <laughs> series, whatever you want to call it. I decided to just come up with something new on the next record, so we'll see what that's going to be, because I don't even know yet. That, that song came out of nowhere. I mean, even the way it started out, you know, when I recorded that first 78 album, we, were, we rented out the Colgate Mansion up in Sharon, Connecticut, which is 
you know, the, the guy who invented the toothpaste. <laughs> and uh, there was a bell on top of the, on top of, you know, the garage or the carriage house. You know, Eddie's assistant started ringing it. We recorded that with bell, you know, with birds in the background. And that was all real. That wasn't like thrown together like some of the stuff, you know, now with samples and stuff. That was like a real, that was like a real special effect. Uh, and I just continued to, you know, Everybody, I got such a great response from that instrumental. I, I wanted to keep develop, developing it, you know, for every uh, subsequent album. Uh, but I think at this point, you know, I kind of basically, I, you haven't heard it, but the end of Fractured Quantum kind of begins like the beginning of Fractured Mirror. I used a special effect where I, I'm playing a guitar figure on one of, a, of two necks on a double neck, but I'm using the pickups from the neck I'm not playing on. So basically the pickups are picking up the resonance from the body and that's how I get that bell sound on the original one and I used it on the end of Fractured Quantum to kind of go full circle there. Great job on getting right. clips by the way, Tim. Just, hey. just want to say. So this is the now where are these clips from? I, I, I must have missed, uh, missed this. Where, where, what are we listening to? Um, Tim snuck into Ace's room and he's been recording him unbeknownst to Ace. I stole them. No. Oh. No. <laughs> No, can, you, can you let him go so we can have a chance? <laughs> they, they, actually, they actually are from the Grammy event. Can you tell us a little bit about it, Tim? So that Yeah, uh, that was the, the Grammy Museum event on Anomaly Eve, uh, quote-unquote, on uh, this past Monday. Um, he did a, okay. a Grammy Museum for 200 people, and, uh, you know, I had my iPhone and, you know, have my little recorder on that, so I plucked that off and we extracted a few quotes uh, to try and, you know, punctuate the discussion tonight. And he well, thanks a lot for that. That really, that's really making the show pretty cool. Thanks a lot for that. It, you're most welcome. Of course, he was hanging out with uh, Bruce Kulick and Ace Fraley <laughs> that day. So. And, and I got to meet uh, Ace's publicist, uh, Kim Britton. Very nice, uh, very nice woman. She, I can't those, those photos of Ace and uh, Bruce together is just yeah, cool? wonderful. Yeah. There's so much talent right there. Without sounding goofy, Gary actually said those are precious photos. And had it been anybody else, well, actually, I will make fun of him for saying it that way. But seriously, that, that is a very cool shot. <laughs> Absolutely. For a KISS fan, that says so much, just that one picture. Yeah. Now, where's this picture at? I'll send it to you. All right. Um. So we have nine minutes remaining. Uh, we've discussed the album. I think all of us pretty much are giving it a uh, thumbs up. Absolutely. Great album. Um, there's a couple things I'd like to play. Uh, one thing about Ace going on tour, and here's this. Well, it's always a possibility. You know, what, I, what I've been doing lately is I, I listen to what the fans want to hear, and we try to incorporate, you know, that into our set list, you know. If, uh, you know, we're getting a hundred different fans asking for the same song, most likely we're going to incorporate it into the show. So, you know, if you got a bunch of other people asking for the same song, you know, we'll probably throw it in. So, if you want uh, Ace to be playing something on the road, you better let him know. You can write him at his website, acefraley.com. Um, and just to let everyone know, that he, as, as someone was, that was a question from the audience, and they asked specifically about playing Save Your Love. So. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, so we'll see. that would be fantastic. That goes on the next tour, huh? <laughs> that would oh man, that'd be what great. A great song. 
What a great solo on that song. Jeez. I think oh, you're yeah. going to have to pick Gary up off the floor on that one. Uh, it's just such a it's such a good song. It's such an amazing ace solo. And, you know, I, has he ever, I don't think he's ever played it live. Not that I'm aware of. Julian? You know, I don't even recall him playing it as part of med, uh, medley. So, uh, no, he may have. Who knows? Don't know at all. So we will have to scrape Gary off the floor if that happens. But um, also, after, after seeing him live last year, I, I really don't think there's anything in his whole catalog that he couldn't play now. I mean, he played Fractured Mirror last year, not when I saw him, but, I mean, that's, that, you know, I guess I would think that that would be the one, you know, well, that's that's the one he couldn't play live. And he did it, and he did it great. Um, I, I, I foresee this being a great tour. There's a little bit of a clip I want to play uh, it's from Alice Cooper's radio show with Ace. I'll just play a little bit of it. It's just so cool to hear these two legends go at it. Check this out. At Nights with Alice Cooper. So first album in 20 years, I hit the last with Trouble Walking in 89. Yeah, I, 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 I never realized, you know, exactly how long it had been and when people were telling me, and I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to take this out on the road then? Yeah, we're we're in right now. We're in the process of putting dates together for the fall, and uh, you know, it's well, a very exciting time, you know, because everybody's really pumped up about this new release. You know, like you said, the first album in twenty studio album in twenty years, and uh, I'm really thrilled with the way it came out. I kind of feel right now exactly the way I did when I did my first solo album with Kiss, you know, with New York Groove. Sure. Uh, you know, I mixed it. I'm driving around the car with it, and I got a really good feeling about it. And, oh, that's uh, great. Exactly the way I feel now. So maybe history will repeat itself, huh? Well, for one thing, is that the type of music that we do, yeah. I don't think ever gets old. You yeah. know, I think hard rock, good hard rock songs never get old. Well, I mean, it, it, it's it's the case with your stuff, and uh, I think it's the case with a lot of the stuff I've done, and Kiss as well. Uh, you know, we knew how to make records back then, and... Uh, I think we still know how to make records today, you know. Hopefully, it'll be well received. <laughs> well, you know, and and back then, I know you're you're like me. I could listen to an album and go, okay, that's the single and that's the single. Yeah. You know, anymore, I listen to an album and I go, I don't know what a single is anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, I can only go by what I used to do and what I used to listen to. But the things I hear on the radio now, I go, that's the hit. <laughs> Right. I mean, you know, I've been doing a lot of interviews, you know, for the CD, and, you know, people ask me, so who do you listen to now, and who do you think is, like, really special? What new groups are really, you know, grabbing your attention? You know, and, and I'm talking to the interviewer saying, well, you know, when I was 16, 17 years old, I had The Who, I had Led Zeppelin, I had Cream, I had the Jeff Beck group, you know, I had the Beans, Beatles and the Stones. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anybody out there today, Jimi Hendrix, you know, I don't know anybody out there today that has that type of, you know, new sound and, and taking music in a different direction. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, when you when you see young kids, when you go do your tour, it, it's you're going to see a lot of teenagers in the audience because they listen to 70s rock. You know, I, I don't completely understand what happened to music. Uh, it, maybe it's because... Partially, you know, the music business has changed so much, you know, from when you and me started out. And uh, Well, I think know, what it was, Ace, is the fact that when we started out, we had to write songs. And I know you worked with Bob Ezrin, uh, yeah. like I did. And Bob exactly. would, would not let you put a filler on an album. You know, he would make sure that everything that you did was not just a record, but it was a song. 
and I think that that's what that that's what this generation is missing is songwriting rather than riff writing. Yeah, you know, I I remember back in the seventies, you know, the emphasis was on the song first. You know, if you got a great song, you know, all the frills and you know all the staging and everything else works more to your benefit. You know, but without a great song, you really got nothing. Yeah, that's uh, you know, uh, both bands, uh, you know, Alice and Kiss had great images, but take the songs away, and you, we don't last that long. Um. Hey, Ken, what's it like hearing Ace Fraley and, and Alice Cooper talking like that? It is, it is, cool. it is like if you see comics and Marvel's like, you know, had Batman and Spider-Man team up. It's, it's that amazing. It's, it's right. so cool. And Except Dan, that you, these are real-life rock legends. Dan, you right. did see the news uh, October 28th. He's actually playing with Alice here in L.A. I'm yes. Totally, I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> and if you need a, pro, a podcast uh, pass, you let us know. <laughs> I'm serious. We we have little lamp. Let's <laughs> give me a laminate. <laughs> All right. It'll, who knows? It might work. Uh, <laughs> it got me thrown out last time I tried to use it. You're right. Right. <laughs> but that that had nothing to do with the laminate. Let's, let's yeah. It had to do with the fact that I wasn't wearing pants. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, that'll we have, do it. We have four minutes remaining. And I'd like to thank everyone for joining us tonight and for all the listeners at sea and abroad, uh, we, and, and all the broads listening as well. Uh, I would like to thank uh, the folks that made up our roundtable tonight, the people that joined us by phone or via telephone, as they would say on the television. Um, and we want to do something similar when the Sonic Boom album comes out. Are you guys in? Yeah. yeah. It would be fantastic. And Julian, like I said, having you around, uh, it definitely does class up the joint. They always like to pontificate. Oh, there's nothing wrong with pontificating as long as you don't get caught. Uh, maybe that's not the right word. Um, and special thanks to Tim. You definitely uh, brought some great clips and some tremendous insight. And we will be deputizing you, since you live out in the L.A. area, to be one of our... Uh, podcast correspondence like we have uh, Jeff and Mike who do a fantastic job running around yeah. Canada and the United States for us <laughs> getting interviews uh, hopefully you'll be able to do something along the same and uh, nice. yeah, we, we um, welcome yeah. you and, and we're glad uh, we've always thought that the podcast uh, can be this huge great thing and uh, it's, it's, it's turning out to be a, a fun experience for all of us we'd also like to congratulate Ace Fraley for putting out a fantastic album, and we pray that you don't uh, make us wait a, a, a long time again. <laughs> Stay happy and healthy, Ace. We love you. Yeah, yes. we, we really and I'd also uh, I'd like to thank uh, thank my boss for letting me out of work early tonight, so I can at least come on here and enjoy a few minutes of this with you guys. Thank you, James, Excellent. boss. And I just wanted to say thanks to you guys for you know letting me on your turf and, and participating. I had a good time and. Uh, uh, a lot of fun, and you know, would be happy to to do whatever I can to to help out the show here on the West Coast. Well, thank cool. you very much. Hey, hey guys, thank we you, have buddy. an official West Coast correspondent now. Nice. Wow. And he hobnobs wow. with George Lopez, Slash, and Bruce Kulick, and Julian. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we have one minute remaining. I'm gonna put the old uh, show outro, and I'd like to thank you all for being part of this. Thank you, Ken. Uh, yeah. Hey, you're welcome. God bless everyone, and go Ace Fraley. 
Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. If uh, you have any suggestions, comments, or just want to talk to us, drop us a line at podkist at gmail.com. Be sure to check out James's other site, which is called zombiefaq.com. For all you white zombie fans, it's the place to be. A big thanks to Julian and all of our friends over at kissfaq.com. Big thanks to all of our pals at mykisslife.net. Keith LaRue and all the staff over at kissonline.com. They do a great job representing the hottest band in the land. Our good buddy Ken at his website, which is called kissfansite.com. Thanks for all you do for the podcast, your great graphics. If you have a kiss-related website and want us to uh, mention it in the show notes or uh, possibly talk about it on the air, just let us know and we'll see what we can do about that. As James mentioned, be sure to check out Kiss Online for links to all the individual band members' websites. And as always, a big thanks to Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, Peter Christ, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memories of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Thanks for listening. Good night. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Our kiss was filmed before a live studio audience. This is gonna end someplace!